Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4, 23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the types of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. Those of y'all who don't know, my name is Pastor Jeremy Bass. It's great to be with y'all here today uh, for my last Sunday here in the sanctuary and then my last Sunday in the vine this next week before we move up to Bryan, Texas, or as you Aggies like to call it, the Holy Land. Uh, (laughs) So I'd just like to say uh, thank you for being such a blessing to me and my family as we started off ministry. Like Bert was saying earlier, you know, when we first got here, it was a drive-through on a hot Texas summer day uh, to welcome me here, and now we get to say goodbye in person. Just what a journey we've been on these past two and a half years. You know, as I was thinking about this Sunday, I'm deviating a bit from the plan text, Bert. Uh, as I was thinking and praying about it, I felt the Lord kind of put this scripture on my heart, and I was like, uh, I don't know if I should preach on this or not. And then I heard Jim Welch's sermon at uh, annual conference last week, and I was like, this is confirmation. Uh, he's read a poem, actually, in classic Jim Welch fashion. Uh, that just sort of affirmed this is what the Lord wanted me to preach on today. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open them up, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13, just a few short verses, cha- uh, chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, He hid it again, and then in his joy went out and sold all that he had and went and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Chapter 13 in the Gospel of Matthew is sort of the the parable compilation uh, passage. It's just surrounded by all these different parables, all these different illustrations that Jesus is using to describe what God is like, what the kingdom of heaven is like, what the, the heart of the Father is like. And in this section of parables, you have this real short two-sentence parables, two short parables right in the middle of it. And it's just so easy, I think, to gloss over them because you read it and you're like, okay, that's a simple truth. Let me just read on to it and get to the good stuff like the feeding of the 5,000 or all the other better parables. But as I was thinking and reflecting about sort of what I wanted to say to y'all on my last Sunday here in the sanctuary, the Lord just impressed this parable on my heart. The first one is the story of a man who goes to a field. He, he's this, uh, it's this image of a peasant man working in a field, and he stumbles across some buried treasure. In those days, they didn't have banks where they could just go and store all their wealth. So what they would do is they would take these jars of these vessels, and they would 
find some place and bury it in the field. And so it's this image of this man who's just working and he stumbles across someone's buried treasure, someone's hidden treasure. And in his great joy, he goes and he buys the field so that the treasure can then be rightfully his. And then he uncovers it and enjoys the splendor of the treasure. Second is this image of a merchant who's on the lookout for fine pearls. Pearls in those days, just like for us today, were of great value, but they couldn't manufacture pearls like we can. And so all the pearls that they found were natural. I was reading one commentary this week who said that pearls in those days could be worth up to a modern-day equivalent of millions of dollars. And so you have this pearl merchant, and so unlike the the farmer who just stumbles across the, the treasure... The pearl merchant is actively searching for a pearl of great value. His heart is searching for this, and he finally founds what he's been looking for. And because it's so valuable, because it's so worth it, he goes and he sells all of his possessions so that he can gain this one pearl of great value. These two small, simple parables. And church, here's the question that I want us to be thinking about today during this message. Is do we believe the kingdom of God is this valuable? Do we truly believe, deep down in our soul, deep down in our heart of hearts, that the kingdom of God, the things of God, Jesus himself, is as valuable as this farmer and this merchant? Do we value the kingdom and Jesus like these people do? See, what these people do is they find the treasure. They find the thing of great value, and they go and sell all that they have in order to gain this one treasure. You have the one who stumbles across the great treasure by accident, the one who stumbles across the kingdom of God by accident, the one who wasn't searching for it, and yet when they find it, they're like, finally, I found what I've been looking for. And so they sell everything they have to obtain the treasure. Maybe there's others in here that are like that merchant that are actively searching for something actively searching for the truth, actively searching for something you know your heart is longing for. And when you come across what you've been looking for your whole life, you go out, and it says that both of these people go out in joy and sell everything that they have, that they sacrifice everything in joy because they knew deep down within their soul that what they were gaining was greater than what they would have to give up. That they go and sell it not in despair of what they have to lose, but in joy of knowing what they are about to gain. Church, do we have a heart for the kingdom of God like these people? You know, there's some people who, uh, I don't know if you're like this at all, that doesn't really like drinking water. You know anyone like this who, you'll say, I don't enjoy the taste of water? Or do you know anyone like that? Uh, That... Drinking water is very difficult for them. I'm one of those people. Uh, I drink maybe a glass of water a day. It's not healthy, and I know a lot of people are probably very concerned for my health, but that's okay. (laughs) It is what it is. And they make, uh, in the store, I don't know if you see this, in the store they'll have what these called the the Mio's. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those little water flavor enhancers for people like me who don't enjoy the taste of water, 
but know that I need water in my life. And so what I'll do is I'll just put a little squirt of that meal into the water and suddenly it tastes like, uh, the one that I like is black cherry. Suddenly it tastes like black cherry water. Um, it's this flavor enhancer, this meal, that the water, that there's nothing wrong with the water, but we want it to taste better, so we squirt that meal into it to make it a little bit enjoyable. I think often we treat Jesus and we treat our faith like that little Mio thing. That we treat our faith like a little flavor enhancer. That's this thing that we can put into our water or we can put into our life to make it maybe a bit more manageable. But ultimately, I'm the one in control about how much of it I put into my life. I decide how much of my faith comes into my life. I'm the one who decides how much Jesus has control over my life. And ultimately, I decide how much or how little, and I determine what I need from Jesus, that I control it. But the picture that we see here in the Gospel of Matthew is that the kingdom of God and Jesus himself is not meant to enhance our life, but it's meant to be a completely different, a completely better new thing. Instead of thinking it like, adding Neo to a uh, thing of water. Have you ever gone swimming in a lake and you accidentally swallow like a big gulp of lake water? You know, that nasty, gross, algae-filled lake water. And the moment you drink it, it's just like, ugh, sitting in your gut and it just feels heavy and you feel gross the rest of the day. You know what I'm talking about? The picture of the kingdom of God is that life and the things of this world are like that yucky lake water. And the life and the water of life is like that pure, clean, filtered water. This natural spring water. That's the difference that the scriptures paint us. Not this enhancer to something that's already good, but this yucky, gross lake water that leads to death. Instead, drink from the pure spring of life. This pure spring of water that leads to life. Jesus is not meant to be an enhancer on our life. He is the, he is the one who has come to completely remake our life. And that's the point of this parable, that the things of God and the things of his kingdom are better than anything this world has to offer us. So church, I ask us again, do we really believe this? Do we really seek after the kingdom of God like this? Do we really value Jesus like this? You know, when we think about the difference between consumer Christianity that makes up a lot of the American church and the, the real Christianity that we find in the scriptures. Consumer Christianity is a Christianity that has Jesus meet me on my own terms to come and enhance the things that I want him to enhance, but to stay out of the stuff that I want him to stay out of. A Christianity that doesn't ask anything substantial of me. A Christianity that just comes and adds a little bit of black cherry flavor into my life. But the real faith, the real stuff, the real things of God, the great treasure that the scriptures talk about is a radical, sold-out, life-altering faith. A faith that breaks the chains of addiction. A faith that restores broken marriages because the heart of a spouse has been radically turned around. A faith that gives us a completely different outlook on the way that we treat our kids, the way that we interact with one another, the way that we live our lives, the way that we spend our money. It's just this complete 
different way of living our life, or to put it away, it's a way to live boldly into the world. And that when we value the kingdom of heaven like this, when we know that we have this pearl of great price, when we know that we found this treasure hidden in the field, that is the motivating factor that drives us to mission, that drives us to witness boldly because we know what we found and we know what we found is of everything, of great cost, it's of great value, and I will give everything to gain it. And when we do this and when we stumble across this great treasure, we find that Jesus is everything that we've longed for. As St. Augustine says, one of my favorite quotes, Lord, our hearts are restless until they find our rest in thee. That when we encounter the living God, when we encounter the person of Jesus Christ, we find that this is what our heart has been longing for all along. This is the buried treasure that I didn't know I needed until I found it, or this is the pearl that I've been looking for my whole life, and finally I have found it, and I will give up everything to follow him. That's the meat of our faith as we have encountered this profound love of God for us. This profound love of God who comes and gives us everything our heart has ever desired because we didn't know that we needed to be in his presence. To just bask and dwell in his love and be with him. And we pursue after him with reckless abandon. In, the, in John Wesley's sermon, The Marks of the New Birth, in other words, John Wesley is writing this sermon about what does it mean to be a Christian. He writes this as one of the marks of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He said, The third scriptural mark of those who are born of God, and the greatest of all, is love. The love of God shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto them. Because they are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into their hearts, which cries out, Abba, Father. By this Spirit, continually looking up to God as their reconciled and loving Father, they cry out to Him for their daily bread. For all things needful, whether for their souls or their bodies, they continually pour out their hearts before Him, knowing that they have their petitions which they have asked to Him. Their delight is in Him. He is the joy of their heart, their shield, and their exceeding great reward. The desire of their soul is toward him. It is their meat and drink to do his will. And they are satisfied as with marrow and fatness, while their mouth praiseth him with joyful lips. In other words, what John Wesley is getting at here is the mark of a Christian, the mark of someone who has been sold out for Jesus, the mark of someone who has given up everything to pursue the treasure is one who profoundly and deeply knows that they are beloved by God. And that sends them out into mission. That sends them out to tell other people about the treasure that they have found. The mark of a born-again Christian is a son or daughter who has been welcomed home, a sheep returned back to the sheepfold, knowing that there is one who sees us in all of our brokenness, pain, and sin, and looks into the dirtiest, darkest parts of our being and says, I still love you anyways, and I want to be with you forever. That's the heart of what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a sold-out believer, to give up everything that this world tells us we should pursue after to say, I will choose to pursue my treasure instead. I will give up everything to get the pearl of great value.
How many of y'all remember from U.S. history class growing up in high school, California Gold Rush? The, the 49ers, the football team not named after, fo- the 49ers named after the California Gold Rush, which happened between 1848 and 1855. The 49ers, which was the, the 1949, which was when most of the people went to California, that gold had been found in California before it was a state, and suddenly the prospect of finding gold in California and becoming extremely wealthy made all these people just move over to California in a rush. Over a span of about seven years, 300,000 people moved to California, crossed the Rocky Mountains uh, in a wagon, crossed over difficult terrain, over uh, didn't have any railroads at the time, didn't have cars, didn't have airplanes, and so they took covered wagons over the Rocky Mountains, over dangerous terrain. They sold everything that they had where they were in order to go and find gold over in California. That that is what the image of the kingdom of God is like. Give up everything that we have here to go and get the gold that's on the other side. Are we willing to do that? Church, are we willing to go where Jesus calls us? Are we willing to start the ministries that Jesus is calling us to start? Are we willing to step into uncomfortability like witnessing boldly about our faith? That's something us Methodists don't really do very often, do we? Are we willing to step into this great challenge that the Lord is setting before us because He is our treasure. He is our great reward and there is nothing on this earth that can eclipse that reality of what we will gain when we pursue after Jesus wholeheartedly, that we will sell all that we have to cross over the mountains to go and get the gold. Paul talks about this in Philippians. Philippians 3, 7-11, the Apostle Paul writes this, But whatever was gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so now having attaining to the resurrection from the dead. What does Paul say? I count everything that I had before as rubbish. As rubbish. If you know anything about the Greek there, it's the Greek word uh, skubalon, which uh, this is a very PC way of saying the Greek word skubalon, which is a Greek word for poop. (laughs) Paul says, I consider all the things before knowing Christ as poop. And what Paul is talking about here, his status, his knowledge, his wealth, this placement in society, that all the things that he used to do that he used to value so highly, he says, in light of knowing Jesus, I consider it all poop in comparison to what I gain in Christ Jesus. 
that Paul says, I found the great treasure. I found the gold. This is a poem that Jim Welch read. It's from G.K. Chesterton. I don't know if Jim's here or not. He's a busy man traveling around. This is a poem that Jim cited at annual conference. He said this from G.K. Chesterton. The sages have a hundred maps to give that trace their crawling cosmos like a tree. They rattle reason out through many a sieve that stores the sand and leaves the gold. And all these things are less than dust to me because my name is Lazarus and I live. I love that line. He's talking about what happens with the wisdom of the world. They store the sand and let the gold go free. Church, here's my hope for us. is that we don't become a people who hold on to sand. That we become a people who hold on to the gold of Jesus instead. That we hold on to the treasure of God that Jesus is the gold. And that this gold is worth everything. And that we should tell everyone that we have found gold because we have not found sand. And if we're going to step into the new things that God has in store for us, then we have to be willing to let the sand go. We have to be willing to let go of the things that aren't the treasure. We have to be a people who say, Jesus, you are worth more than anything that I have. I give my whole life to you. I want to close with this. If you've been following me on Facebook, I've been posting obnoxiously about this. Uh, the Asbury Revival that's going on. This is a picture from the 1970s Asbury Revival. And right now, uh, for those of y'all who don't know, there was a chapel service that started at Wednesday at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky that has never ended. Uh, it's been going on for 96 hours straight. And this is a picture, uh, I think it's from last night. As you can see, it's just a bunch of college students that have just been in prayer and worship, and there's been miraculous things that have happened here, that there's this massive outpouring of the Spirit of God that it's almost like the treasure of heaven has come down to these college students, that this is the gold of Jesus. What's happening at Asbury, first and foremost, friends, is an outpouring of the love of God on his people. And here's some testimonies for what God is doing. Here's the gold of the kingdom. A high school boy testified that he was texted about the revival but wasn't interested in going. And then God woke him up in the middle of the night and said, go to the revival because I want you to have more of me and to feel my presence. And he said he walked in and God healed him from anxiety that he had always felt and that he healed his neck pain that he had had recently from a car accident. A college girl testified that she was texted by her mom that her cancer tumors had shrunk after this girl and her friends prayed for her just the day before. A mom of two college students testified that both her sons texted her and urged her to come to the campus and feel the presence of God, and she exclaimed that when she walked into that space that God's peace and fire fell on her as soon as she walked in. There are other testimonies of uh, relationships being restored, of physical healings, of inner healings, of just this massive outpouring of the love of God that the treasure of heaven, the gold of heaven, has descended upon this little college town in Wilmore, Kentucky. Friends, as we look and read the pages of Scripture, as we look to our faith and to Jesus, do we believe that He has gold for us today? Do we believe that He can meet us like He's meeting these college students right now? I'll never forget, there was this moment here at this church, actually, um, 
that the Lord told me, uh, I don't know if I should say this or not. I guess I'm already committed. Uh, the Lord told me, uh, preaching at a UM Army once, uh, if their parents don't want my spirit, I will give it to their children. Friends, do we want the spirit of God? Do we want the treasure of the kingdom? Do we want the pearl of great price? Friends, this is the kingdom. This is the treasure. I don't want to play church anymore. I want the real stuff. I want the things that I read about to come true for us. I want to know this God who heals, who heals bodies, who heals hearts, who restores joy, who doesn't leave us in darkness. That, friends, everything else is scubalon, is poop, in light of the greatness of Jesus himself. So, friends, today I ask you to respond. If the Lord is stirring in your hearts, you know, the altar is open. You all always can come to the altar. You don't need to have to, you don't have to do it on Communion Sunday. You can do it every Sunday. Uh, what is the Lord asking you to lay down? What is the Lord asking you to pick up? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.